Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox, and I am Josh. I am Jimmy. And sitting behind the glass is Dr. Jimmy Myers. Huh? I thought we were sitting behind the golden Paradox microphones. Don't you hate when radio people say, behind the glass is da 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 Unless you're the person behind the glass. Well, yeah. And then you uh, you appreciate the shout out. But I just called you the person behind yeah. the glass. Did you appreciate it? Nope, because I am behind a foam rubber fuzzy thing. That is anything but glass. We actually are starting a three weeks content series for you guys. Yeah, and it's, this is this different. Is Jimbo's creation. Yes, it is. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited about it. But Jimbo literally has done everything for this in preparation wise, and so it is all thanks to him. Thank you, the but, man behind the glass. But listen, don't talk about me. Let, Just talk about your books. Let me talk about me for a while. I'm tired of you talking about me. Okay, first you got to get on Amazon. I don't think this is on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's not. But this all starts with you guys stopping what we're doing and finding the movie Leaving My Father's Faith. It is about Tony Campolo, who we have interviewed on the show, and his son that was once very active in his ministry, converting to atheism, basically. That's what the movie is about. And what we've done is we've taken the top three. He he depicts them as a, as a Jenga stack, and you remove one piece you remove two, you remove, remove that third, and the whole thing falls down. And this is how Bart Campolo describes him losing his Christian faith. And so we took those three big stumbling blocks, and we got a hold of our old friend, uh, Andy Bannister, uh, who's been on the show now. Just once, but this, well, this will be, will be his second one. Yeah. So we got a hold of Andy, who is um, uh, he got a PhD in Islamic studies, and 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 he's an apologist. He wrote the book "The Atheist That Does Not Exist." He's with Rabbi Zachariah Ministry, right? Apologetics Ministry. Lives over in England. He's the one that got me using the phrase Muslim. <laughs> if you remember, we got a hold of him, and we said, "Hey." These questions were put forth in this movie, and were not even answered. They weren't really addressed. And so, hey, Andy, if someone were to come up to us and ask us these three things, hey, here are three big stumbling blocks that, are, that may be causing us to lose our faith, how would you answer them? So that is the next three shows. We're going to take each of those stumbling blocks that Bart Campolo had, and I'm telling you, these shows make a lot more sense and will be a lot more effective if you'll stop Go watch the movie together with your husband or your wife. And you'll notice I ask him some questions, and you might think I'm trying to dumb it down for our audience, but I'm actually struggling to understand myself. So he talks at a very high level. It's very understandable, but at a high level. And so we then are going to summarize at the very end Correct. for ourselves, ultimately, but hopefully you'll benefit for that. Today we're taking on the sovereignty of God. Yes, his first stumbling block the pick a, picture a stack of jenga pieces of wood the first one removed from his faith was the sovereignty of god 
And it happens in that he went to do ministry in Camden, New Jersey, and he saw extreme poverty from what he says was the very first time. And for him to to grapple with, I didn't know this kind of poverty and suffering existed, but God did. Therefore, I've got a problem with that theology. Well, you know, that's such an amazing kind of sort of statement and story. It's hard to know where to begin, really, because there's, there's lots of levels we could we could push in on it uh, with. The first thing I, I think I want to begin by by saying, and then, you know, by all means, gents, come back at me on this, is to go, what strikes me is just what a narrow, sheltered upbringing Bart Campello had, because to go, the world is full of suffering. Um, well, there are lots of people living in dire poverty and, uh, you know, not with the privileges that we have in the developed Western world. And what you tend to find is that most of those people are not atheists. They haven't abandoned faith, but have actually pressed further into it. Some of the most impressive mm-hmm. Christians I've ever met in my time, you know, traveling around the world. And I've had the privilege of going to all kinds of places are people who are living right on the edge of poverty and living with tremendous suffering. You have this incredible faith in God. Um, almost because of the suffering, because I think it's asked them, caused them to ask some questions. And I think many people have precisely the opposite reaction to Bart and say, you know, it's when all of these kind of Western privileges that we enjoy, such as, you know, good health care and food on every corner, all these kind of things that we take for granted here in the West, then you have to ask yourself some real questions. What have you actually got left? And I think actually it's the opposite very often that most people find drives them away from God. It's actually it's actually plenty and ease and convenience and a closeted kind of life. And uh, when things go wrong, they respond like Bart and don't know how to get how to, don't know how to deal with it. And if Bart's encounter with suffering was so dramatic an argument against evil, I'd say to Bart, seriously, do you think you're more sophisticated and cleverer than most of the human beings who have ever lived and who live today? Because Christians have always known that suffering and evil exists. Um, so my first response is I'm just quite stunned, actually, at what a sheltered existence he's, he's had. That This question didn't sort of occur to him until he stepped outside his little enclave. So I think that's the first thing. I, I genuinely don't think that if evil and suffering were that profound an argument against God, how faith in God could ever have arisen in the first place. And to your point, it wasn't his own suffering he had a problem with. It was somebody else's that he was just observing. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, all, what I'm really doing there is paraphrasing, you know, the, the famous Christian writer C.S. Lewis, who, are, who, who writes words to that effect. I think I believe it's in the book, The Problem of Pain, uh, or Mere Christianity. It's one of those two where he says that, you know, if if all the suffering and evil and and uh, and whatnot in the world were such a spectacular argument against God, we have to wonder how belief in God ever arose in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to conclude that our ancestors are, are actually quite clearly insane, um, which looks like chronological snobbery. And it also looks, to be frank, to be like sort of cultural superiority that here's Bart going, well, I'm this urbane, sophisticated, you know, Westerner, and I'm here to tell the rest of the world, actually, I know better than the rest of you, um, which I'm sure he'd be horrified by. But it's a, it's a very strange starting point. That's the first thing I'd say. Second thing I'd want to say, and then there's a third thing after it, but let, let me say the second and then you guys can respond. I think I think one of the things I always I find fascinating when people use this as a sort of bolt hole into atheism or, or humanism, as, as Bart has done, is to say to them, you seriously think there are better answers to the problem of suffering over there? Because I think people need to compare and contrast. You know, if there is no God, if we live in a universe which is nothing more than then time plus chance plus natural selection. You know, we are just a random collocation of atoms, to quote the atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell. Well, in that kind of world, people are going to get hurt, and the suffering doesn't matter. 
because quite frankly, the HIV virus has the same right to do its thing as you have to do your thing. There's no, there's no bigger answer to the problem of suffering. Some people are going to suffer, some aren't. And in fact, those of us in the West who are doing very well, maybe we're just more evolved than those in other countries who aren't. And it's just survival of the fittest. And actually, it's a wonderful excuse to sort of thumb our nose at people who are down on their luck and go, well, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes, but th thankfully, I'm more evolved and I've done better in the gene genetic lottery than you. And I think the more you, you really look at what atheism has to say to the problem of suffering, it has nothing to say whatsoever. And that's before we get into the problem of evil and say that as an atheist, Bart has no uh, framework now for calling anything evil or, or anything good or anything just or anything unjust. It's just his personal preference. Um, and so I'd want to challenge him on why he thinks that, uh, that leaping into atheism of all things is a better solution to the problem of evil. I want to say to people, compare and contrast. And yes, we may have questions about what the Christian worldview says. There may be times where we feel we can't, you know, sort of dot every I and cross every T, but compare it to the alternatives and ask ourselves the question, does it offer a more compelling answer to the problem of suffering, the well, problem he, of evil? And I think it does. So Bart raises his hand and says, wait, wait a second. Suffering exists. Christianity doesn't make sense in light of suffering. So I'll choose atheism. And what you're saying is, well, atheism doesn't even make more or it makes more illogical sense than Christianity when it comes to suffering. Absolutely. It, it, com it completely does. I mean, one of the interesting things uh, as well, I think, that atheism has a problem with, it doesn't really have a problem explaining and dealing with, that, with, with suffering, how we respond. It also offers you no compelling reason to engage with suffering. Uh, I mean, you folks are medics, right? And so, and there are many out there uh, listening to this, perhaps who come from a medical background. I'm hugely impressed by people who've given their lives to, you know, helping those who are suffering or in pain or facing injustice, uh, whether that's here in the West or people who go and serve with organizations like Médecins Sans Frontiers and so on and so forth. But on Bart's atheism, why bother doing that? Why, you know, why give your life to, you know, to serve and to help and to make a difference in the lives of those who can't benefit you in the genetic lottery at all whatsoever? Where's the virtue? It's, it, it's craziness. It's randomness. Whereas I think one Christianity thing, can... Go on, so go ahead. One thing, I, I, I can see the person sitting out there listening to what Bart said, you know, which is basically the old, you know, if God's all-powerful and he's all-loving, he could stop this pain and suffering if he wanted to, but apparently he can't. So he's either all-powerful or he's all-loving, but he can't do both. He doesn't seem to be that we're taught sovereignty, you know, the sovereignty of God is that he can do whatever he wants. Well, if this stuff exists, he must not want to stop it. How do you answer someone that grapples with that? Well, that's great, because that was the third thing I wanted to talk about. I think I wanted to talk about, you know... That's how fast my brain works. I just jumped straight. There's Bart's naivety, on the one hand. There's the fact that atheism really has nothing to offer uh, in this. But then thirdly, there's that, that, there's that dilemma he ended up with. You know, is, is God, you know, good but, uh, but weak or all-powerful but monstrous? And the problem is, like all uh, faulty dilemmas, it assumes there isn't a third possibility which is that actually, and we need to be careful how we talk about sovereignty. Yes, God can do all things, but God can only do the logically possible. God can't make a square circle or make himself not exist or any of those things. And it, could it be, the question I'd want to ask, could it be that uh, there are some greater purposes uh, that God has in creation? So, for example, one of the classic answers that Christianity has offered for 2,000 years to the, to the question of evil and suffering uh, runs very basically like this. It says, look, the greatest virtue built into reality is love. Love is the supreme ethic. And God wanted to create a world in which we could be free to love him and free to love one another. But freedom brings with it consequences. If, we, if you and I are genuinely free, 
then there is a very real possibility we will use our genuine God-given freedom in order to do harm rather than to do good. And so some of what we see around us is uh, comes out of that explanation, which leads to an interesting point that I think Barth has missed. What if the reason that there is suffering and evil is, yeah, God could snap his fingers and remove all of it. He could destroy evil instantly right now. But what if in so doing, he would destroy you and I and Barth and every one of us in the process? Because we are as much a part of the problem of evil as, uh, as the rest of the creation around us. And I think sometimes we can look at the problem of evil and assume it's detached from us. Oh, if only God would deal with all of these other people over there but we right. forget that we're part of the great mess of humanity and i think the biblical story is that god looked at humanity could have wiped us all out instantly and dealt with the problem of evil and destroyed us in the process but through what he did through jesus and the cross that's god's solution to the problem of evil that doesn't destroy us in the process and so actually god has done something about the problem of evil and suffering god has in a sense played by his own rules he knows what suffering means he's experienced it in the incarnation but not just so he can say he's one of us but so that actually he can do something about the problem of evil and of course the new testament answer is that the, what jesus did on the cross and his death and resurrection is the beginning of god putting the whole of creation back together again and there's that white wonderful new testament story uh, and vision of the new heavens and the new earth that begins with the cross and ends in in the eschaton and so the other thing that christianity has to offer here is hope there is no hope on atheism it, on bart's view of the world you know he will die his children will die one day the human race will become extinct one day the universe itself will come to an end everything ends in doom and destruction and decay and death that's the atheist vision by contrast the new testament says no that is not the end there is hope and it's that hope that I think has seen many people to loop this back to where we began again and given the many people who have been through suffering and uh, and pain and injustice, the power to carry on the power of what Jesus has done in the cross and that hope that God has actually yeah. offered us a future that looks different, but not just some sort of pie in the sky when you die. We can have that trust and certainty in what is coming because of what God has done in the past and the person of Jesus and done in the lives of those who follow him in the present. Hey, did many of you out there, like me, start college and then we go, well, we got veered, we veered off, we we had a veering experience, and we got away from that. How many um, of you guys, like Jimbo, have had a veering had a veering experience? experience. <laughs> uh, it, you, know, you start and you just didn't finish up. Well, at Howard Payne University, New Braunfels, the student body is made up of many non-traditional students in similar situations, and they are, again, determined to get their degrees. And guys, not only does Howard Payne New Braunfels host many non-traditional students, but it's New Braunfels. Seriously. I mean, you got Schlitterbahn, you got the river, I think it's the Comal River floating. The, the intro to accounting degree is actually done in inner tubes in the river. <laughs> And that's not, I we mean, don't publicize that a lot. Pluckers is down there. San Antonio is 20 minutes away. Austin is 40 minutes away. And by the way, if any NFL team ever comes to that's Central where Texas, be. that's exactly where it'll and be. And with a degree from Howard Payne University, New Braunfels, you could possibly get discounted tickets on those NFL teams. Well, I think the stadium's going to be built on Howard Payne property. True. So, so we're saying this could give you an inside track to the NFL in later years. If you want more information about Howard Payne New Braunfels, it's hputx.edu backslash NB. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter. It's hputnb. And Facebook is hputx New Braunfels. And then you can also call them at 830-629-2366. Remember, you could get your degree in an inner tube.
I love Andy. Of course. I love, I want to marry him. Exactly. Well. I'll probably not marry him. Yeah. And. Because he's British. So. And I mean, there's a whole homosexual thing, thing. Which, by the way, we actually talk about mm-hmm. in the third segment. Mm-hmm. Not that we're talking about it, but we talk about it without talking about it. Here's the thing. There's a couple of things that jump out. First off, so reasoned, so pragmatic. Uh, in his answer to this. And I'm sitting here, when I'm watching the movie, which now all of you have watched, because you wouldn't be listening at this point unless you have gone ahead and rented it and watched it. I still haven't watched it. I was flummoxed at no one was answering this. It it was as though this question stood and it was unanswerable. I would have expected Tony to answer. Man, did he, I mean, he was really weak in that regard. And I get that he was not trying to challenge his son and all this stuff, but these questions basically went unanswered. And the whole lot, the, the existence of pain and suffering, if you've ever looked at Strobel's uh, Case for Faith, you know, this is, this is one of the big questions that has plagued Christianity for a couple of thousand years. And in those 2,000 years, we've had brilliant people brilliant, brilliant minds, some of the greatest minds the earth has ever seen, who have grappled with this question. It has been answered to their intellectual satisfaction, and they've moved on. And it was like Andy was coming up, oh, I just thought of something different. Hey, here's here's some people that are extremely poor. And I thought that was interesting. Bart, that, not empty. Andy. Excuse me. Andy could have struggled with that as well. But yeah, Bart was saying it, it was as though he he had never grappled with this question at all. And there are Christians living all over the world who are living in abject poverty, such suffering, war, pestilence, disease. And yet these are the believers who demonstrate maybe the most amazing faith that there is. So it can't be that the presence of suffering makes it impossible to believe in God, because some of the greatest people who believe in God suffer the most. I loved his piece about suffering exists because human beings exist. If he was to get rid, eradicate suffering, he'd have to eradicate us. Because for me, this whole thing starts with a loving God that didn't create us robots. Mm -hmm. And because he created free choice, we're able to then sin and create sickness and pain and suffering. And so ultimately, we're to blame for what's going on and what we see in the world, mm-hmm. you know, just this generational sin and, and universal sin. And so I loved his piece about, really, you couldn't get rid of pain and suffering and keep human beings around. For me, that's always kind of been the linchpin that yeah. held the Christian argument. And it's like, okay, because here it is in a nutshell. If God is all-powerful and all-loving, well, if he's all-powerful, he could stop suffering and he just chooses not to. Therefore, he can't be all-loving. And if he's all-loving and he really wants to stop all pain and suffering and evil, and he just can't, then he's not all-powerful. And I love that Andy points out that this is a false dichotomy. It's as though there's only one or the other, and that's not true. There could be a third choice in that there's purpose in the suffering. The disciples to Jesus. Why was this guy born blind? Was it his sin or is his parents' sin? And Jesus said, no, he was born blind for the glory of God. So some things have purpose. They have meaning beyond. So it's, it's important for us to realize that sometimes pain and suffering does have a purpose to it. He says that... Can I you know, jump in yeah. here? And this is for all apologetics or all defending of our faith, uh, an atheist or an agnostic. And an atheist is someone who believes God doesn't exist. An agnostic is someone who doesn't know and doesn't necessarily 
just kind of pleads the fifth and said, yeah, mm-hmm. I give up. And that's kind of the, the distinction between the two. But you have an agnostic or an atheist come up to a believer and ask, there's pain and suffering. How can there also be a God? And they riddle us with questions, and I think believers then struggle to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. That's part of why we're doing this, to help you answer those questions. But my point in saying all this is, turn around and ask them the same questions. Just because our argument and our faith, well, our belief set requires faith, theirs does too. Correct. And that's very important. Correct. Proves me there's a God. Well, you proved me there's not. Ultimately, we need to be responsible for defending our faith, but we also need to be responsible for asking them questions about their faith. I know that's weird to say about an atheist, but theirs is faith as so, well. So their atheism is a better answer to pain and suffering? Exactly. Than Christianity? No. His quote-unquote belief takes faith to believe in it as well, and it you can riddle it with the same questions that he riddles our faith. Absolutely. I mean, and Andy says, you know, if, hey, if humanity is just this collection of animals that just come about because of, of time and matter and random chance, then none of this matters. Why should we fight to get rid of HIV? Because it has just as much right to live on this planet and to kill people as we have the right to live on this planet. If it's simply a matter of survival of the fittest, then I think atheism is a much, much, much poorer response to pain and suffering and evil than Christianity. And as we wrap up this on the sovereignty of God, uh, make sure you check out the probably the best, quickest resource for this particular issue is Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ, excuse me, A Case for Faith, where he delves into this very issue. We may not, of course, none, none of us have the degrees that an Andy Bannister has, but when we, we have to know that there are answers, there are reasonable answers. There are answers that make perfect sense. In fact, make more sense than, say, atheism. It's a better answer than atheism. Potentially, the simplest answer to the sovereignty of God question is because there's pain and suffering doesn't mean God doesn't exist. It means human beings do. Yeah. And what, you know, if we ask God, hey, God, why do you allow pain and suffering and evil to exist? God could turn around and ask us the same thing. Why do you allow pain and suffering and evil to exist? If you want more information about this episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can find this as well as any previous episode and schedule emails to come to you for any future episodes. You can also find us on our socials there. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and please feel free to share and review. And get the movie. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. If you could do one thing to instantly improve your relationship with your child, one thing, with my parents, it would have been give me cash. Mm. That would have instantly improved our relationship. But today, it said the number one thing you can do just to instantly improve your relationship with your child is put down your phone.